It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello everyone and welcome along to your Monday night edition of the TII podcast. I know we forgot what day it is despite being on every single Monday. Um, hope you're all well and welcome along to, as I said, the Monday night edition of the TII podcast. We have some big news to look at today after the third round qualifying draw for the Champions League. Uh, we've also got some transfer stuff to look at, um, both incoming and outgoing, as well as starting to look forward even more to the upcoming season as it draws closer and closer. Joining me to look forward to all of that, we have Jock. How are you doing, Jock? Not too bad, mate. Glad to be here. Good to have you back. And we're also joined by Kieran as well. How are you doing, Kieran? All good. Always a pleasure to be on. I know it's a Monday, but we're here to make people's Monday that wee bit better. Absolutely, and there's nothing better than talking about Rangers, it has to be said. And we'll start off with the big news of the day, which I guess whetted the appetite even more looking ahead to the new season as the Champions League third qualifying round draw was made. Uh, once again, it was one of the longest draws I think I've ever seen in my life. They never get any shorter, um, but it's always good to at least be in, in with a shout in European competition. Obviously, we would like to have been qualified automatically, but this is the next best thing. We were seeded in today's draw, um, and we ended up being drawn against Servette from Switzerland or Genk from Belgium. Um, the alternative ties we could have had were against Baka Topola, uh, uh, Panathinaikos or Dnipro, um, or Sturm Graz. Um, Job, come to you first of all. What's your initial reaction to the draw? It does feel like it's probably that the hardest of the ties that we could have gotten in, in that list. I think so, but that's this is this is a table that we want to dine at, isn't it? This is where we want to be. We want to be playing Champions League football. These are the sort of ties that we're in the position where if you don't, you know, if you don't don't have the success of winning the league, then you're going to have to go through these games. Um, big games sort of earlier in the season which 
being successful sort of set I think sets the team up for the the sort of the league run and the and the cup runs that follow. So um, yeah, again, we could have could have maybe got a tougher draw, but I, I'm happy with it. It's it's one of those things you just have to play what's put in front of you, and it's 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 going to be one of these two. So. Absolutely, Kieran. It's, it seems every year that the ties at this round get harder and harder. It seems to get tougher and tougher to to go through the qualifying stages. What's your reaction to the draw when it was made at eleven o'clock this morning? Yeah, look, like Jock said, this is where we want to be dining. It's the Champions League. There's no easy fixtures, and do you know something? The one that stands out is Genk, right? And that's what everyone's talking about. We thoroughly expect Genk to win the tie. Um, for me, there's part of me kind of wants like a club that we're aware of are a good team. It kind of, I get the fear a wee bit when it's a club like, say, for example, like USG last year. Like we didn't show up that first leg because we didn't really expect them to be a good team. And turns out they had a great season, put a really good run together in Europa League. So for us, we know what we're turning up to. If it is Genk, they're a good, solid side. Um they started, I think it was a tweet one of the guys sent into the chat earlier saying that they won uh, 16 of their first 18 games last season and then they sold the boy to Southampton. I'm not going to try and pronounce his name. Um, and then after that, they kind of fell off a cliff throughout the season. So maybe something to look at there. But um, in terms of Genk, Servet, whoever it is that goes through, we need to be ready. But... Another thing I usually look out for is, I don't know if it's just like the Scandinavian leagues, but see when teams are halfway into their season and they're sharp and we're just coming out of pre-season, I don't think it matters who you get there. It, it makes things a hell of a lot more difficult, so I'm glad we dodged one of them. Yeah, Kieran, you spoke with a wee bit of knowledge there on Genk, and I'll put you on the spot a little bit and just ask if you know if, if they're a team that you know much about. I know, um, I think that was where Yanis Hadji um came from if I remember correctly. Um but outside of that I don't know I don't know a great deal about them. Are they a team that you've you've seen much of at all? I'm not particularly familiar with them. I think they're certainly one of the better teams in Belgium. Um I think Belgium football actually comes under the top five leagues in Europe at the moment. Am I right in saying that? Yeah they snuck into the fifth didn't they recently? Yeah, and I've seen um, Patrick Kasky's brother Andrew posted um, an infographic earlier and it was basically saying that where the Genk rank amongst the teams we've had around about these qualifying stages in the past few years. And um, they're the best team out of everyone, apart from Galatasaray and um, PSV. So they will be a solid side if it is them. Um, someone else um, I've seen on Twitter actually posted of Genk playing against was Young Boys last year and Cedric Kitten. Uh, no, sorry, Servette playing against Young Boys last year and Cedric Kitten getting a hat-trick. So... It would be good if it was Servette, but I thoroughly expected to be Genk. Yeah, I had a wee look at the some of the stats behind um, the, that tie between Servette and Genk today, and I think Genk were not as big favourites as people seem to be making them out to be, but still slight favourites in that one. So um, I believe the first uh, the first tie of that uh, the first leg of that tie, sorry, is tomorrow night, which is Tuesday night. So it'll be interesting seeing the outcome of that one. I think it, when you get to, to this stage, all the ties tend to be pretty close, especially when you come up against teams like this. So it'll be really interesting keeping an eye on that one. Teams are at the start of their um, their qualifying journey, the same as we are. Um, they 
will have had quite a big squad turnover. Maybe not as big as what we've had, but they'll still have had some turnover in players, especially when you look at um, leagues like the Belgian league and the, and the Swiss league, which tend to which tend to be um, tend to have their best players sort of hovered up by the top five leagues, and then they have to kind of refresh as well. So. I don't think we're in too dissimilar situations in terms of um, teams and approaches and that side of things, but there's no doubt that it's going to be a tough tie. Jock, Kieran mentioned uh, Union St. Gilwa, who we played um, last year, and we we found uh, particularly difficult, but also because they were a bit of an unknown quantity. How, um, how beneficial is it that, although they may be a team that we're aware of, that they might also be a more difficult team is that is that a good thing that we know them in that in that sense or is that a, is it a bit worse because we know that how good they are? I think it's a catch twenty two. It's a bit of both, really. Like I say, it's it's early in the season, so you our team still sort of find its feet. Um, so we're hoping you know the next couple of preseason games they'll um you know they'll sort of start clicking that they'll find that click. Especially before the the, the, you know, the the qualifier comes up, um, we don't unless you are to take a real look at their squad. You don't know if they like you say if they've had a bit of turnaround in player trading as well, so they could be in the same boat as us. Um, you know, we've got the home game first. I think it's a big advantage to ourselves. I think if we could go and put a strong performance in and get the you know put a couple of goals by them. I would set us up in good stead because traditionally away from home we're, we're quite solid anyway. So um, I think the home home tie first I think was important for us. Yeah, before I um, come on to what I th- what uh, to ask you both, what you think our chances of progression are, I'm going to ask a question that's almost impossible to answer. Um, but we have seen two preseason friendlies now. How important is it, Kieran? I'll come to you first on this one. How important is it that? we're able to hit the ground running and how confident are you that we will be able to? I think there's nothing more important at the moment than hitting the ground running, but at the same time, I think it's going to be very difficult given the turnover in players. It's, it will be difficult for them to sort of gel and I felt that the past few games, although you can't really take much from friendlies, it's, it's going to take a while to click, but Kelly away is a tough tie. Um, it always is. And then you've got, in fact, sorry, you've got the qualifier before that now. So, yeah, to be honest, I think pre-season's been good. Am I right? Oh, no, I'm not right in saying No, that. you're not. It's, it's Kelly away and then the following midweek is the first round of the, the first leg, sorry, of the qualifier. Yeah, so one of the guys touched on it in the chat earlier that it's quite beneficial with the first game being at home because it's another one that you'd rather it at home with players trying to gel together because it looks like we're going to have a full new forward line. I fully believe that probably back to midfield will be relatively the same as it's been. Um, you're probably going to find Cantwell Raskin in the middle, maybe with one other new signing. Your back four is obviously probably going to be, I'd, I'd imagine, Suter Davis, Yomaz or Barisic, Tavernier, and then you'll have Butland and goal. So it's not too much different, which is good. Um, but in terms of the players gelling, I'd expect Bill to be very safe and just kind of stick with what he knows. And when I say that, I hope that doesn't mean Matondo and Sakala. <laughs> Jock, do you, do you agree with Kieran that we might see, I guess, some of the some of the players who are still in the squad from last season make an appearance in these early stages because Michael Beale knows what he's going to get? Or do you feel actually we've all been calling for a refresh 
not just this summer, but well before this summer. It's time to it's time to really a, a, adopt that refresh and, and set the new guys loose. Um, it's, a, it's the best of both worlds, I think, because the you know, Champions League qualifiers it's, it's kind of a short window as well for for players. If you know, if we're trying to get rid of some players and Beal's going to use these guys, you can maybe try and use the Champions League qualifier and the hope that they don't get cup tied if they go to this team that's also in the competition. Um, but I think it's it's going to have to be a mix, isn't it? It really is because we want to try and get the best out, out of what the new talent's coming in, and let's say we want to try and make, to gel. I think the game at the weekend there, I think the the, the sort of competition, the, the the pace of the game, and, and the the sort of turn and fro from both teams, I think caught maybe a lot of people out. I don't think they're expecting it to be such a you know, competitive game for a preseason game. So I think that's probably set them up in good stead. Uh, and I think the Path and Icos game will be the same. I think it'll be a wee bit scrappy. Um, and I think that'll set them up set them up for the, the Champions League qualifier and obviously the game at Kelly because you know, the game at Kelly is always going to be tough and it's going to be a bit of a fight, especially on that plastic pitch. So I, I think it'll be a, a, a blend of both. I think you, the, the pace of Matondo, but particularly Sakala, you know, for all his cons, he creates chances and he, and he does... He does get results and and get stats and goals and assists. So we need that, particularly if we want to qualify for the Champions League. Yeah, it's, I think it's Olympiacos who plays, isn't it, rather than Panathinaikos on, uh, on Wednesday. It's easy to get that one. You get a for that in Greece, Jock. Keenan, I'll come to you. I'll put you on the spot first then. What do you make of our chances of progression from this third qualifying round tie? I fancy as I really do. We're a good team in Europe. We've been a good team since Gerard came in. And for someone that sort of grew up through the Advocat era where we were signing everyone and anyone but didn't seem to do well in Europe, like it's quite unusual for us to be like quite good in Europe for a change. So, yeah, I fully expect us to do all right. I'm very optimistic. Bill's return to Europe, his debut as a manager in it. So, fingers crossed. But being really, really honest... If we go through this round and we don't get through the next round, I really won't be too bothered if we drop into the Europa because I didn't enjoy it last year in the Champions League. It's way above our level. I get that it's great for us financially, maybe not as good because the other side of the city are in it as well. Um, but for me, I really wouldn't be bothered. I really enjoyed the Europa nights at, at Ibrooks. So, yeah, I'd love us to get through. Financially, it's a big one. I think we get five million if we get through this round. Yeah. Someone can correct me if I'm wrong there as well. So, yeah, it's a good one. And another win towards this Club World Cup. Yeah, Jock, Kieran's mentioned there about, um, I guess, being a bit scarred by the Champions League last year. I think we all were um, bruised by, by that experience. The financial side of it tends to take over from the the enjoyment of being in that competition or the, I guess, the realistic chance of going anywhere in that competition. I think going by what would, prob- what would probably be the best route for this season would be qualifying for the Champions League, finishing third in the group, dropping into Europa League and firing on from there post-Christmas. I think from where we sit just now and going on last season's experience, that's probably um, that's probably quite ambitious in terms of, of what of what we can achieve. But we did see year on year that Gerard built on on the Europa League and he built on how far we were able to get each year. 
what do you view as um first of all i'll ask you i'll ask you the same question as Kenny in terms of what do you think our chances of progression are and secondly what do you view as being success in europe this year how much of the focus should be on on domestic football and domestic success focus should always always be in domestic success that's you know first and foremost um I think yeah, I think like like you say, I think confident. I think we should we should qualify. I think we should get into the group stages. Personally speaking, the, the Champions League is a competition. I think it's moved on from when we were last there, you know, 10, 12 years ago. Um, back then, you were looking to qualify. You know, you're looking to get on the get on the group stages and then try to get third place UEFA Cup run. That was what we we're looking for back then. That challenge now. We just we just don't have we just you know our leagues stuck and the other leagues around us have pushed forward and the teams that qualify for the Champions League have pushed forward and the finances they have have pushed forward so their quality of player they have is far superior to us and we we saw that last year because we all thought right okay we could maybe sneak a point at home to Liverpool we could you know if we could get a good result against Ajax and then we'll beat Ajax at home and. Hopefully, get a good result at home against Napoli. We were blown out the blown out the water, and, and you just saw that from, you know the, the quality was just far far superior. So, if we can get into the Champions League again this year, brilliant. And if we can secure third place, that's fantastic. Um, but I, I, if it be did, if it, that was to sort of fail and we end up in the Europa League, I wouldn't be too bothered. I still think that's it's a great competition. We have great success in it, like you say. And it sets us up Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday. It's a good run. We're, we're used to it. We're comfortable with it. And I think it's it's a good level for us. So either way, it's, I think I think we're looking, as long as we have European football, we'll be happy. Yeah, Kieran, Ian Mitchell, our fellow podder here at TII, comes in and says, uh, if we can't get past either of these two, we really won't survive in the Champions League. I think that's probably a fair assessment. Are you in agreement with Jock in terms of what, success looks like I, I i see the appeal of playing in the europa league in terms of probably teams more at our level that we would come up against the concern i guess is that when you get into that thursday sunday thursday sunday cycle you're always playing second between us and celtic and in, in the league at the weekend and you know it always feels like you're playing catch-up um Firstly, what do you view as success in Europe this season and, and how does that, I guess, that breakdown of that Thursday-Sunday, how would that impact ourselves and how much pressure do you think that puts us under straight from off the bat? Yeah, to be honest, success for me in Europa would be clocking up as many wins as we can. I think the the scope this year is a wee bit different with this sort of Club World Cup thing looming over us. If we can get enough wins, they're talking about a £25 million pay packet, like... That to us is unbelievable sort of money and it, it would really put us on the road to good things again. So for me, whether it's the Champions League or the Europa League, as long as we're winning games and getting coefficient points and keeping above where we need to be, that's the most important thing. Look, we're never going to win a Champions League. Europa League is where we should be and at very worst the Conference League. So as long as we're getting coefficient points and we're doing well, that's fine. Success, if we want to put it like that way, would be qualifying for the Champions League. I think that is 
sort of our level at the moment and I don't think we're going much higher without sounding too pessimistic about it but that, that's what I see is if we get into the group stages I think that's a good start for us as far as Thursday Sunday goes Jock said it's nothing we're not used to I don't really mind the playing catch up sort of side of things um, it, it is what it is isn't it like playing on Sundays I know it doesn't suit a lot of people and it would wouldn't be great, but I do love the Thursdays at Ibrooks. It's been the best times falling Rangers the past four or five years. Just the big Thursday nights. I much prefer them to last season. I paid £180 for the package last year. I missed the first game because I was on holiday. The Liverpool game, I went for a pie and missed Arfield's goal. <laughs> so I think I didn't see a single goal for my money. <laughs> the last time I can't even remember. We were out by then. <laughs> Fingers crossed it's better work at this time on, on that front. Jock, Kieran raises the, the Club World Cup um, point. It's kind of something that I've seen just kind of hovering around in the background. I've not paid too much yeah. attention to it. I realised that we do need a certain number of coefficient points and it's an uncertain number of coefficient points because obviously it depends on what other teams do or other countries um, do um, this season. I don't. I doubt that would be something that's in the players' mind, although it might be in the club's mind. Does the Club World Cup thing matter much to you as a fan? At the moment, no. I think, um, I think as the season progresses and say we do get enough points and it starts to sort of gather closer and closer. I think it then obviously come into the players' minds, you know, the chance to, to play at this. I mean, you know, to me, it's just another, you know, FIFA money grab thing. But if we're going to get £25 million for it, I'm all for it. Um, of course I am. Um, so, say, I haven't paid too much attention to it. I think I don't think the players will either until, you know, they get, get, the, get sort of September, August, October by them and then we'll have a better maybe a clearer picture of what's going to happen or where we're going to end up. Um, but it'd be good to, again, it's on our table we'd like to be at, um, you know, showcase Rangers and and, and, and get, our, get our name further around the world than it already is. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, I think the Club World Cups are really interesting one because, again, like you say, Jock, it does appear like a bit of a money grab, probably more than a bit of a money grab from um, from FIFA on that front, given the expansion. It was always viewed as a bit of a weird tournament. I remember watching um, random games like Liverpool versus Sao Paulo and stuff like that, um, and I never really paid much attention to them. I guess, how would I feel if Rangers found themselves in a 32-team tournament and in the Middle East, and no matter what happens, I've taken home £25 million. Not sure how much I care, and I'm not sure how much I'd enjoy the fact it disrupts our season, but I'd definitely take the money. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how that one pans out and if it grows in importance um, for Rangers as we kind of move move forward on that one. It's an interesting draw anyway for the Champions League third-round qualifiers. We will be seeded if we do move forward to the next round, the playoff round, we will be seeded. I think Braga, the other team, 
um, that are seeded, um, which would leave potentially Marseille or PSV if all the seeded teams go through, which we know what PSV can offer. They've had a they've had quite a, a bit of turnover as well um, since the game last year. That was a that was a hard test, uh, particularly with Sangari in midfield. Although I think he might well have have moved on. Marseille have been through quite a bit of turnover as well, but spending big again this summer. I don't think we're under any illusions as Rangers fans as to the task that 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 faces us as we head into this. They always risk that the narrative of the Scottish media switches to immediate failure. I think that's always the risk with these qualifying campaigns, albeit they're not as early as they used to be and we're playing against recognised teams. So it will be really interesting to see how this pans out. But I am very much looking forward to that that first leg on the 8th or 9th of August. Um, hopefully it'll be on the back of a, an opening day victory against Kilmarnock and we'll, um, we'll, take, we'll take it from there and, and hopefully push on. Moving on from the Champions League, draw Kieran I'll come to you um yesterday probably about 24 hours ago as it stands um it was it looks as though we've got our man from Feyenoord um the striker who I believe for a long time that Dessers was our main striking target I've now seemed to I know shifted in my head that actually maybe he wasn't um it came it came as a, a great surprise to me that we were willing to get not only one striker around the five million pounds mark but but make that two. Fee looks like six million pounds. R- rumored wages of thirty-nine thousand pounds a week. Are you excited by the prospect? Oh, absolutely. Going by YouTube, I don't know much about him. Going by YouTube, he really looks a player. Um, it, it probably looks like it's a marquee signing of this summer. Um, the management must rate him highly if we're looking to spend that sort of money. When I seen the price banded about last night and the wages, and I think the club have rubbish that it's not thirty nine thousand isn't it was been offered nowhere near that, which is good because that kind of I worry about that a wee bit. You don't want to go and overspending a player, and you're not really sure how it would work out because Brazilian players historically take a wee while to settle into British football. So you can imagine settling in and Ibrox isn't two things that usually go together. But no, it would really get the fans excited. I think it's very telling that we want to get these guys in before the qualifiers um, to get embedded in. So, no, absolutely delighted. If, if we do get it over the line, I feel like we've been reading this headline for about three years now. So it would be great if we got it over the line. He certainly looks a player and someone that would fit into the team Um in, in a different style because everyone we've seen has been like over six foot giants so yeah something a wee bit different so Brazilian player coming to Rangers that certainly if that doesn't get you excited then there's no point in turning up to Ibrox is there? Jocko like Kieran says a lot's been made of the fact he's, he's a Brazilian striker um, coming to Ibrox he's obviously Feyenoord's second choice striker as it stands six million pounds fee is a fair chunk of change for Rangers totally, especially on the back of the the Dessers signing. It, it, I think it, Dessers was four and a half plus add-ons. Um, are you are you surprised that we're signing a second player of that of that fee level? I guess are are you? Um, I feel expected that we would spend big, and uh, the area the area of the team we would spend big would be in those forward areas. We knew that was just the area that needed the most surgery that the area of the pitch that needed the most work and I'm I'm glad to see that we've gone for two different styles 
of striker. We've, we, we were obviously so reliant on Alfredo Morelos for the last four or five years to see us have options and two different styles of striker that, that can work as a real positive. Are you excited by the prospect of him signing and what do you make of the, the reported fee and wages? Oh, absolutely. Like, it's like Kieran says, it's Brazilian at Ibrox. It's, it's, it's a treat in itself. Um, the rumoured fee, that, that's the sort of money we need to spend if, you know, that's it. That's, 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 that's where we're at. Um, you know, spend that kind of money with the Hope, you know, hope that he has a good season, two, three seasons, and then we, we you know, make a hell of a profit off him. Um, yeah, looking forward to it. Surprised that we went for two strikers? No, because we needed something different. And like you say, the team's sort of been beefed up quite physically. So he's different from that. And from what you see, like some of the stuff he's been doing in the preseason so far for... Feyenoord looks 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 good. You know he's, he's he's keen to take shots from outside the box. He has the ability to put in top corner from outside the box and further. From what I've seen, um, definitely looks to be sort of a different former striker from Dessers. So it'd be great to see both of them on the park at the same time. That's something I really like to see because I think you mentioned earlier, um, or maybe I've seen it online earlier that. We haven't really had like a duo, a partnership in a long time up front, and it'd be something I'd, I'd like to try and see if we can go back to because we've always been used to just the one man up front, whether it be Morelos or, or Cholak. So to try something different up front with a duo, I think would be exciting as well because they both have the potential and they both have the, you know, the, the attributes to get plenty of goals for Rangers, particularly in, in the Scottish League. So, yeah, very excited. I actually yeah. read something really interesting about him earlier. He's looking to switch his international allegiance to the Netherlands. Okay. He's been there since he was 18, so he's applying for a Dutch um, citizenship. So in the off chance that he's called up to the Dutch squad, um, it would be that over Brazil for him. Yeah, that's really interesting as well. And I, I assume that comes with work permit um, benefits as well from, from that perspective that may make it a bit easier to get, to get this transfer over the line, albeit... Um, from what I've read about the SPFL's um, work permit applications and how difficult it can be to get through, I don't think it's too it's too hard. I think especially when you see some of the the um, the players from outside of Europe that are coming to the SPFL and uh, the, the justifications that clubs have to go through to get these players through. I'm not sure the SPFL are standing in too many people's way when it comes to uh, when it comes to signing for clubs, but it'll definitely make it a bit easier. And I assume it also helps on the, the European squad front as well from that perspective and the, the various ramifications that come with that. Um, Jim Bax, I don't know if either of, guys, of you guys know, he says, does anyone know how long the contract is reported to be? I have four years in my head. Four, yeah. But, um, is that what you guys saw as well? So um, I think with, with that level of fee, you do need a decent length of contract, whether it's four or five years, to be able to maximise any potential future return that you get from a player like him um, so it'll be really interesting um, to look at that one Kieran it's fair to say that the board have fully backed Michael Beale in this transfer market James Gurley says uh, don't forget three and a half million on Lammers that's close to 14 million that's close to 14 million on three players it's probably over and above the level of outlay that I expected us to um to put out there, albeit it was it's probably around the level that I hoped 
we would. Are you um, are you happy with that backing that the board has given Michael Beale this summer? Yeah, absolutely. And I think one thing that needs to be mentioned is that everyone that we've been linked to in the media that's like that's been a concrete link we've got. There's nothing that's sort of slipped through our fingers. I think Daniel is the one that's been closest to slipping through our fingers because I think that latest offer was take it or leave it or we're moving on to other other options. Sifuentes looks to be the next one that Bill's come out and said we've got him in a pre-contract. So there's one we've got. I don't know how serious the interest in Panzo and Trust they are, but they seem to be a, be a wee bit more open with talking about transfers as well. And you look back in uh, Bill's past two press conferences, He's been pretty open and honest about the guys that we're in for while being a bit respectful to their parent clubs. So in terms of 14 million, I think we spent about 12, 13 million last season and we didn't get much change for that. So it's been invested in the right areas. We've been crying out for a change in that front line and it certainly has been invested. With the looks of Lammers, it looks like he's a very good signing so far. Um, all the sort of clips for training, what we're seeing for, from him in the games, he looks like he's going to fit in really well. So, do you know what? Strikers, and especially ones you don't know about, are the ones that make you most excited. Um, and when you're paying good money, then there comes a wee bit of expectation, especially in Danilo's case. So, hopefully it all works out. Yeah, Kieran, just interested to get to get your view. You, um, you went along to a Rangers training session last week and it was uh, just ahead of the Leon Balogun um, press conference upon his return. What did you what did you see of the new players when you were sort of up close um, to the team as they were in the training sessions and did anything sort of jump out and catch your eye? Oh, they're massive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're, we're quite a big team, but no, like the sort of... The, the squad camaraderie seemed to be there. Like training, what training was competitive without being too serious. Like there was a laugh and a joke. And then when it came to the sort of one touch six pass stuff, tackles were flying in. They were training like they play. But in in terms of the new signings, yeah, it just looks like everyone fit, fits in pretty well. Kieran Dow sort of hung about with Lundstrom quite a lot. Um, I'm trying to think what other sort of. Partnerships you've seen. Big Dessers is a huge guy, big, big guy, but really nice touches and the small passing drills, very neat with the ball around his feet. And yeah, um, quite quite impressed with what I've seen. Like, they look like they enjoy being there. Yeah, that's that's always good to hear some positivity like that, um, especially when those tend to be areas that we don't get to see as fans. So to, um, to hear that feedback is really good. And I guess. Jock, it probably comes back to Michael Beale's process for, through the recruitment. He's always been clear that he likes to sit down with players face-to-face, um, even if they're interested in them on paper and all that sort of stuff. He, he likes to sit down with them face-to-face and, and make sure that, in his eyes, they're up, to, they're up to the challenge. How important is that personality side of things when players come to Rangers and how important is it that the manager and Michael Beale understands that side of it too? I think it's very important. Um, like you say, he's 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 met a lot of these players face to face before anything. Sort of, you know, obviously before they've signed, put the feelers out, get sort of get to know them on a personal level. Because at the end of the day, you're going to work with them. You know, you're going to be in their company seven, maybe even six, five, six days a week anyway. So you you really need to sort of get the new ins and outs of them. Um, 
and I think he's he Michael Beale obviously knows how big a club Rangers is and the expectation there, and I think he has to try and get that across to players. Players might come just want to come to Rangers because they know we're a big club, but it's once you get in the door and the expectations and the expectations from the stadium, from the fans, social media aspect of it, the Rangers shirt's heavy, and you know you have to have that mental attributes, I think, to, to, to wear it and to carry it through thick and thin. And I think that's what he's trying to sort of suss out when he meets the players to see if they if, if they want to play for him and play for Rangers. And like you say, all the targets that we went for we've got. So that to me that's a positive sign that these guys are here and they're ready to put everything on the line for the club and Michael Beale. Yeah. Kieran, looking at the players we've signed so far, especially in that forward line and how we've played in pre-season, obviously we've spoken about the fees that we've paid for Dessers and, and it looks like another big fee for the for the incoming player. I think is is it it'll be interesting to see which one if we're so used to Fedo Morelos being the first choice striker and there's just one and he's the focal point. Going by how we've played in pre-season so far, I think it looks as though that will change this season and it looks like sometimes we'll the three will move to a two up top with one in behind and sometimes it will move to one up top with two number 10s. Do you expect that to vary throughout the season depending on what the challenge is? 100%. I think we've seen it at the second half at the weekend when it was Roof and Dessers up front with Lammers in behind. I love that. I love to see two up front. It's, I don't say it's old-fashioned, but I think it's coming back round again. Like How long has it been since like teams played 4 4 Grown up two up front was always a thing, and Jock touched on it earlier. Like it's been a long time since we've seen a partnership. Um, I, I don't think enough people are mentioning Roof. He looked pretty sharp at the weekend. It would be great to see him put a run of games together without injury. But we've been bitten by this before. But I, w- I would take it. I'd a hundred percent take it because he's a hell of a finisher. But when you think back to the fifty-five season when we were successful under Gerard and Bill. The three up front seem to change quite often. Um, interchanging between guys like Ken, Wright, Roof, Morelos, um, Itten at times as well. So it's great to have options. One thing I regret, I'd say, I wish we had these options in the Europa League run when we went all the way to the final and struggled without a striker. Yeah, I think Jock Keaton makes a fair point about Kamar Roof. So many Rangers fans, including myself, have just written him off. In our heads, it was, it's almost like it'll be a nice surprise if we if we get any sort of decent run of games out of Kumar Roof. Is he? How does Kumar Roof kind of recover from that situation from a Rangers fan mentality perspective? And how does Kumar Roof become a serious part of that striker conversation within the team? Performances and keeping fit. You know, if he's fit and he's and he, he can play his way into the team, that's you know that's the whole point of a squad. You know, these guys have their opportunity to, when they get the opportunity to take it, show up, be available. Beal's talk, touched on that himself. He wants players available, he wants players fit yeah, because we're, we're going to have a busy season. Um, Ruth has all the ability. We've seen it over the years. It's just been staggered. His best season was the 55 season because he was scoring goals, he was in the team, he, he was offering us something different, he was linking up well with. You know, either side, left side, right side, he had everything. He was scoring all types of different goals outside the box, inside the box, tap-ins, you name it. And then the, the, the European goal he scored from the halfway line, he has that in his locker. 
we just haven't seen it enough. And everything, every Rangers fan, like you say, some have written him off because of last season. I th- he, he does look he, he does look good. He looks fit. We just need to stay fit. If he can stay fit, he'll have a part to play this season. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, Jim Bax comes into the comments and says all Kamar Roof needs to do is just score goals. Um, it's interesting hearing Michael Beale speak as well following the game on um, on Saturday against Hamburg where he feels we have four or five players who could get double double digits in terms of goals this season, which is, again, completely different to what we've what we've had in recent years. And it's it's so much, it's needed so badly because year after year it was James Tavenier, Fredo Morelos, and then a massive drop-off to to, to anyone who was, who was next from that perspective. Kieran, the um, I'm, I'm going to say I don't like to focus on the fee and wages um, for, for players, but given given the outlay, um, how much does that, if it, if it is £6 million that we pay, how much does that increase the attention and how much does that increase the pressure on Danilo um, to hit the ground running as soon as he... As soon as he, as soon as he laces up his boots for Glasgow Rangers, it's just it, it's like any signing that comes to Rangers. There's a level of expectation, whether it's breaking or Barcelona. We're playing. We always expect the team to win. So, for him as an individual, it's going to take him a while to settle in to the club as a whole because we are quite different from any other club. No, he would have felt that maybe felt that kind of pressure at Feyenoord, but maybe not being the backup there. Um, but when you read the comments about him under the sort of Twitter post where he's been linked with us, the Feyenoord fans don't seem too happy about him being let go, and especially for six million. So when you look at it that way, we might be getting a bargain for six million. You never know. But this is the biggest outlay since what Kent Roof, that sort of yeah. that sort of money, and both of these guys seem to have done well. So. It seems like we know what we're getting for that money. I don't think they would have pushed a fourth bid. That seems quite a lot of backwards and forwards, a fourth bid. Usually teams would have walked away and moved on to their next target by then. We must know what we're getting, but in terms of expectation, of course there's going to be expectation on him. That's all everybody ever spoke about when Kent had a bad game was how much we paid for him. So the expectation has to be that you hit the ground running and you score goals. We all know he's a good player. But we don't want to end up like Kent when he's formed ups and everybody talks about his fee. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, I think that's fair. And it, it was always Ryan Kent's fee that, that people spoke about when he wasn't delivering. And it's almost something that we need to get away from as a support, but we know it's always something that the mainstream media bring up whenever a player isn't performing. So it's difficult to get out of that mindset. It falls into the same category of we need to get out of the mindset thinking that £3 million is a lot of money to spend on a player because it's it's absolutely not a lot of money to spend on a player at all these days. And a lot of fans are still within that within that space. And we do need to, to move on from that. Football has moved on from that. I think there's Al-Hilal, Bidding two hundred fifty nine million for 
one year of killing Mbappe today. We're, that a, wee, we're a wee bit off that. We'll get there one day, but we're a wee bit <laughs> off that. <laughs> just, a, just a wee bit off, off that one. Uh, but I won't even come on to Jordan Henderson's wages for a 35-year-old or whatever. We'll, we'll, did, you we'll see, did you see Fabinho's knocked his move back? Aye, because his dog isn't allowed in the country, is that, is that Aye, right? I'm all for that. I'm a dog guy, so <laughs> good on him. <laughs> I wouldn't knock it back, though. <laughs> I would I would be walking to Saudi Arabia for that kind of money, to be honest. So, um, Andy Mack comes into the comments and says, I'd just like to know how we're going to keep all the midfielders happy. Jock, it's one of the areas of the pitch that we knew needed a, an overhaul. There's still some... It's probably quite harsh calling that Deadwood hang around in that area of the pitch, but I think there's some um, there's some players that we know are potentially on their way out, the likes of um, Glenn Kamara, for example. There's some player, Stephen Davis is another one who is pretty much already out the door. He's not, I don't think he's part of the squad this season, but um, there's others like um, John Lundstrom who are fighting for their spot effectively, who are trying to make the impression. Ryan Jack, again, just trying to prove that he has that fitness, trying to prove that he has the capability to play week in, week out for Rangers. And obviously we know about Jose Cifuentes as well, who, um, like Kieran Kieran used the example earlier, it feels like day in, day out, there's another headline about him, but he's still not signed on the dotted line. Michael Beale revealed over the weekend, I think it was Friday actually, revealed that Rangers do have a pre-contract agreement in place for Cifuentes, which is a real positive because it takes away any risk of him moving to another club. So it's either does he come to Rangers now or does he come to Rangers in December? Um, do you think he will be the first way if we could answer Andy Max's question in terms of how do we keep all the midfielders happy? I think that will be, like I said, the area of, of, of the biggest turnover. But also, do you think Cifuentes will be the final incoming that we see in the squad in the midfield yeah definitely um because we are we're, we're sort of full there now really aren't we um let's see with kamara obviously going um keeping them happy they'll be happy if they're playing the only way they can do that is if they perform well if they don't perform well then somebody else is going to take the jersey that, that's the way it is um but we're a season where we're guaranteed european football no matter what happens in the next month so we're going to be busy, we're going to be playing games, so everybody's going to get their opportunity and everybody's going to have to chip in. So, you know, I think Michael Beale might have to pick and choose who he plays where, who's going to play in certain type of games. Um, but they're going to have a hard job shifting Campwell and Raskin as things are going at the moment, especially Lundstrom. Um, I think, you know, he's, he, I think he's, he, I'm not say he struggled, but he just, he's done, he just looked a wee bit off the pace. Last two two games he's been he's been played in the the preseason games so um yeah there's there's lots there's lots of games coming up there's plenty of opportunity for everybody with Fuentes coming in he looks like he I think he could slot right in that midfield and take Longstone's position straight away and just fire him in because he's you know he's still playing technically I don't know they've only finished so he's had a run of games he doesn't need a preseason he just needs to gel with the team. Do that in training and firing them into games, get them used because I think he I think he looks the sort of player that could eat Scottish football alive, thrive in it. Um so yeah, happy happy with the way things is going. But I just think we just need to sort of shift out some players within the midfield and, and then bring that bring that money in. 
Yeah, I think so. And Kieran, just before we move on to the outgoing side of things, and just to let everyone know, I am hopeful that um, Ben will be joining us shortly. He's been um, out in, out in Northern Ireland at the Milk Cup today for the first fixture, and um, the first game finished about half an hour ago or so. So I'm hopeful that shortly we'll be able to welcome uh, Ben on the pod just to give us a little bit of an update on how the team got on there this evening. Um, but Kieran, just before we move on to outgoings, um, RFC72 says we need a left centre-back and I hope it's trusty we get. I think it was common consensus was we're looking for a striker um, who, we've, who appears that we've pretty much got over the line. Sifuentes, obviously in the midfield, and then a left centre-back. It was interesting hearing Michael Beale's comments at the weekend about John Loyafeco. Um, and the fact that it might well have given him something to think about. Where do you stand on the, the left centre-back role, I guess? I was always of the impression that if Ben Davies stays, we won't add anyone else there. If Ben Davies goes, that'll be when we do add someone else there. It seems to line up money-wise in terms of, of what we can expect from a budget perspective. Trust Both Trusty and Jonathan Panzo we seem to be priced out of of a move for either of them. Where do you stand on the, do we need another left centre-back in there or are we okay as it stands? I think it's quite an unusual one given the sort of moving pieces. We seem to move pretty quickly for Balogun as soon as Leon King get, got that injury and now the King injury is only looking like 45 weeks. So plans may have changed in there. It might be something worth that somebody could ask the manager I don't know. I don't know because it seems to have went a bit quiet in terms of the trusty links and the Panzo links. I don't know if we do. I said it. I said it in the pod with uh, Scott the other week there that see if Ben Davis stayed. I'm absolutely fine with that. I think Davis gets a bad rap. He had a bad time against Celtic and his form seemed to dip after that. I don't know if he's got a few things going on off the field, which is a shame, but. He's he's a good player and he's more than capable of playing. I fully expect if Goldson's not fit for the start of the season, it's going to be Suter and Davis at centre-back. Um, and you look again, we talk about the midfield being pretty crowded. You look at the centre-back position, you've got Balogun, King when he's fit, Goldson, Suter, Davis. I mean, and if, if he's saying if Echo's giving him something to think about, that's six centre-backs for two positions. Do we really need another one? I'm not so sure. Yeah, I, I would start to question why we were getting so many players into into that defence. I think you look at um, Goldson as your your main starter. I'd say Suter is in there beside him in, in the strongest squad. Um, and then followed on from that, you're, you're looking at Ben Davies. Uh, you've then got a choice of Leon King, John Leifeco and uh, Leon Balogun. In there for a for a fourth choice one. We seem pretty strong in terms of depth. Yes, there are a few younger players in there that they need to be um that needs to be considered as well. But I think if you go adding a seventh player in there, that's absolutely overkill, both from a numbers perspective and from a wages perspective. It's not where we need to to spend that that resource. I'm just going to bring Ben into the conversation now. I see he's just joined us from the driver's seat of his car. Ben, how are you doing? Not too bad, thanks. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Evening, ben. Um, I've brought you in, Ben. We'll come on to the Milk Cup shortly, um, but you can join the conversation with us until until we get to that point. I think the next point, and uh, Jock, I'll come to you. You first of all on it. 
just looking at the the squad as a whole as it stands do you feel like it's a significant upgrade on last season so far i, I had a, a look at one of the these mock-up 11s that that people do um, and i think i think the one that appealed to me most was butland and goals Back four of um, James Tavernier, right, Connor Goldson in, in Suter, centre half, Yilmaz at left back. So then a midfield three of um, Raskin, Sifuentes and uh, Cantwell, uh, followed by Lammers, Dessers and Danilo up front. That sounded like a pretty strong start in 11 to me, is, and it's, there's plenty of change in there as well. Is that is that appealing to you as, as, as I've listed it there? Absolutely, it's a it's a total breath of fresh air from what we're used to because the the squad had that side had been pretty stale and sort of samey samey for a good maybe three years now, and we're always sort of going back to the same players over and over again. Um, whereas now these are guys that Bill wants Bill wants to build a team around these guys, particularly Cant Cantwell and Raskin. Those are the two we got in last year. Um, give them the six months to get used to being at the club, playing in the fixtures, home firm games and things like that. So absolutely, this is this is Beale's team and I'm looking forward to seeing what damage it can do. Yeah, and Ben, are you, you excited by what the, the season holds given the signings we've made so far this summer? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think, you know, we, we, we've added players in the right places. Um, and I think we've, we, we, you know, there's one or two more that sort of pieces to, to put the jigsaw fully together, um, but I've been very encouraged by the likes of Lammers. I think Kieran Dial has done more already, um, than uh, than maybe some had expected. Um, I haven't heard your full conversation, but yeah, I don't know if you've touched on that, but yeah, just I think you know with the ones that are are looking like they're going to come in as well, uh, Sifuentes, I think will be it will be an important addition, um, some something that we need. I think we're 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 freshening up the whole squad and we're freshening up places that have been stale for far, far too long. Yeah, it's difficult to disagree with any of that. And uh, yes, there'll be plenty of, of outgoings, I'm sure, before the end of this transfer window. And it's good to see the squad refreshed, as we've discussed. Ben, I'm keen to talk to you about um, what is formerly known as the Milk Cup. I don't believe it's actually known as the Milk Cup anymore. Is it Super Cup NI um, that is called now? Uh, Rangers, I think I, I've um, watched your video from, from pre-match today and I think Rangers have got three teams at three different levels. You're focusing on the sort of boys' premier level for that. It'd be good if you give us a rundown of, of what fans can expect from the Milk Cup, the, the team that's that's playing and, and how they go on in their first game tonight. Yeah, um, I was talking to some of the junior junior players. Um, I wasn't at their game, but I know that they won 3-2 um, today. Um, but the game I was at, as you say, is the Premier Premier Boys. Um, they were playing St Kevin's, a team from Dublin, um, and it finished nil nil. Um, I've never seen a more dominant nil nil in my life. Rangers were all over them. You know, they just didn't have the cutting edge that was required. Um, St Kevin's barely crossed the, crossed the, their their own halfway line. They were they were quite disciplined. Their keeper the keeper played very very well, I must say. Um, Rangers controlled the game, moved the ball very, very well. Um, but they will be disappointed that they didn't uh, they didn't create enough, really. I mean, there was two or three really good saves, but for the amount of ball that they had throughout the game, you know, they really will be looking to um, to, have, to have got 
you know, they they're enough enough of the ball they have really had two or three goals that easily. Um, no, it's it, it's an important competition, uh, you know, for the for the. I mean, it's one of the world famous um, youth tournaments. You know, you've had you've had you know players like Beckham and real real superstars like Chris Boyd have played on. You know, um, <laughs> but uh, no, it's it's it, it's been good. I mean, last year was at the final. Um, where Rangers lost to Man United narrowly, although Bailey Rice was the best player on the pitch by a long, long way. Um, so it shows you, you know, there's it, it, there's importance in in the likes of that. As my lights just gone out in the car, um, but there's there's importance, um, you know, in, in in these games, and that you just you don't know what's what's ahead. Um, I was actually I was chatting with Zeb Jacobs there too. Um, I was sitting sitting beside him second half. Um, so yeah, it was it was it was interesting. It was good. Um, they've got games tomorrow and then Wednesday as well. Uh, they play um, the two two county sides from here in Northern Ireland, Londonderry, and I think Armagh. Um, over the next couple of days as well. So I'll be at those as well. Perfect, and and we'll we'll have videos from from each of those games and your sort of reaction to them on Twitter as well. Just. In terms of the the players that we have participating there, are there any names that jumped out to you or that people might might recognise from the team? Yeah, I didn't know um, didn't know that many of them, if I'm honest. Um, although Cameron, uh, sorry, Connor Connor Campbell, the the captain, um, played very very well at the back. Again, he didn't have a lot to do defensively, but anything anything that St Kevin's were trying to do was was long ball, and he, he dealt with everything, but was also very composed on the ball. Um, our keeper genuinely didn't have a save to make, although did sort of start to try and build the play. Um, and I thought it was interesting that we played a sort of a back back five, although um, you know it was a back three really. Uh, the wing backs were in in St Kevin's half the entire game basically. Um, but players that stood out for me, Harry Weir, um, was was very good in terms of trying to create things, make things happen. Um, you know, he, he never sort of the head never went down further and further into the game as it wasn't happening. So he impressed me. And then um, there was Callum Burnside, um, who was number ten again, was trying to create things and, and was good. Um, I felt that we were the, the three centre backs um, were very very good in the air. Um, Connor Cam Connor Campbell, who I've mentioned, is, is quite tall. I mean, he'd, he'd be easily six foot. But the other two aren't aren't the, they? Well, didn't appear the tallest to me. Um, but we're we're beating people in the air that were that were you know significantly you know taller than them. Um, so I think I think it's it, it's something that they'll certainly build upon. Um, that you know if they're if they're wanting to if they're wanting to progress in the in the tournament, they will face better teams than they did tonight and teams that want to play against them. So it'll be interesting to see them kind of trying to you know have a little bit defensively against them, um, having to do a bit of defending rather than tonight. It was just a. It was it was like a training session attack attack versus defense, but we we just couldn't find a breakthrough. We did score um sort of way about ten minutes to go was ruled out for offside. I would be very skeptical as whether it was offside. Um, and most people around me seem to think the same. But yeah, it was given offside. Yeah, well, I appreciate the update, Ben. Thank you very much uh, for joining us for that. And you're welcome no to join us for the last five ten minutes of the pod. I know you're driving home, so you're welcome to. To drop off as well. If people want to keep up with the, the Milk Cup this week and Rangers performance in that, do keep an eye on the TII um, Twitter channel and we'll have some videos from Ben each day. Kieran, you've got a question there. Yeah, do we know if any of the games are on YouTube? 
I know that the I know that the finals are always on the BBC Northern Ireland, but on the red, like the the iPlayer and stuff, so that you'll be able to get them on the iPlayer. Um, I don't know if any of the games up to, up until that stage are on, but if if I find out, I'll, I'll let know and we'll put it out on the on the pod socials. Brilliant, excellent. You look like you're about to start a carpool karaoke there, Ben. <laughs> you don't want me singing. <laughs> we, we might, we might get banned if Ben starts singing. So um, we'll, we'll let him go. There. We'll let him go there. Um, ben, as I say, you're welcome to join us for the last couple of minutes of the podcast, or you, or you can drop off and tie up to to yourself, Kieran. Um, just to ask on on the, I guess looking ahead to Wednesday, the final home. Preseason friendly against Olympiacos at Ibrooks. We're getting to to crunch time, I guess, as the season um, gets closer. We've also got Olympiacos at home on Wednesday, Hoffenheim away on Saturday, and then it's into into the serious stuff. Do you reckon we'll we'll see Michael Beal using his, his starting eleven from from the off against Olympiacos? I'd be surprised if we didn't. Given his comments before the Hamburg game at the weekend, he was talking about. We're now so many games into pre-season. It's now about the guys showing me who wants to be in that starting eleven and who wants to play a big part in the team. So for me, I would be stunned if it wasn't. Um, seeing Sakala and Matondo start alongside Seema at the weekend was a wee bit of a surprise. I didn't quite expect that. But now that Dessers has got minutes under his belt and some of the other guys have got minutes under their belt, it's... Probably we're probably going to see a team that will recognise a wee bit more um, come Wednesday, but I'm thoroughly looking forward to it. Jock, are you of, of a similar opinion? We'll start to see the man. We'll start to be able to read more into the manager's plans for the season. I'd be very surprised um, if we started with a front three of Matondo, Sima, and Sakawa up front against Kilmarnock away on the first day of the season. Do you reckon that we will be able to read more into to what Michael Beale does and his choices um, as we head into these final two pre-season games? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think if, if there is any you know, chance of doing something different, this might be the game we might try something different, maybe in sort of the later stages of the second half. Um, I think the, the, the lineup will be the the strongest one he can play. He can play, and it'll be the one they'd be looking sort of more towards the the, the 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 start of the season and moving forward. So again, it's, it's just great to see a fresh set of players in there and, and something different and not not the, the the same sort of riffraff we've been used to. Yeah, absolutely. And just to round us off, back where we started, Ben, I'm keen to get your thoughts on the, the Champions League qualifying draw today, obviously drawn against Servette or Genk. What are your thoughts on that one and our chances of progression? Uh, we seem to always get a Belgian team, is my initial thought. But um, yeah, I, I think I would be I would be quietly confident um, about, about either of those sides. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we we were in the group stages last season. We, we I would like to think that we have a better squad, although it's you know still has to gel together than we did then. Um, and therefore, I, I expect us to be beaten, certainly winning winning that tie, either of those ties. I like that confidence, and that's a great way for us to finish off this podcast. Jock, thank you very much for joining us. No, thanks for having me, guys. Kieran, pleasure as always. Our oh, pleasure's all mine. Thanks for having me. And Ben, thanks very much for dialing in. That was a great insight into to the Milk Cup tonight. Yeah, cheers. Cheers. And thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Please remember to 
subscribe to the TII podcast, toggle on those notifications and you'll get a, an email or a, or a little notification every single time we go live or upload a podcast. Please drop us a like on the video and drop us a comment if you've enjoyed the content. There's plenty more where that comes from in terms of what we've got coming up for the rest of the week. Um, both Kyle and myself will be reporting from the gantry at Ibrox on Wednesday night for the game against Olympiacos. So make sure you join us over on the TII social media channels for, for updates throughout the game. And then shortly after the manager's, um, the manager's post-match interview will be live on YouTube with our immediate post-match reaction from the gantry at Ibrox. And then we'll be heading towards the weekend and it'll be all about the game against Hoffenheim, as, as I said, as we get closer to the, to the start of the new season. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. And until next time, goodbye. Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.